Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover, all for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 5,000 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 5,000. Enjoy. Joining us from the Council on American Islamic Relations, Senior Civil Rights Attorney for the Greater Los Angeles Area Chapter, Fatima Dadaboy joins us. Fatima, thank you for joining us. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, Fatima, I have received and I watch and uh, a lot of people have uh, shared with me um, attacks on mosques. There have been three not far uh, in the Los Angeles area, uh, two in Hawthorne, California, one in Palm Springs area. Um, there were just uh, so many issues. We know there were two women attacked in Tampa, a child in the Bronx, uh, allegedly someone um, who they say could have been thrown off a roof uh, in Seattle. The list goes on. Um, I want to talk about the struggle that American Muslims have and face with fallout every time there is an attack, whether it's here in the United States, as there was with San Bernardino, or even in Paris, uh, which is, you know, thousands of miles away, uh, regardless of what coast you're on. Uh, but most recent, as of late, the fallout from the San Bernardino attack. What type of fallout has the Muslim community throughout the United States been experiencing? I mean, Lizzie, you're um, right. There's, every time there is a, an attack like this, um, the fallout gets greater and greater. Um, this time, I think, is we're experiencing something that's... Um, hasn't that I don't think the community has experienced before it's a lot it's, it feels a lot worse right now um, and I think because it at least for the LA area it is so local but we're seeing the spread of it across the nation and um, it is um, it's very serious I think one of the things that's you know causing um, uh, more issues is the fact that we're seeing a lot of um, anti-muslim rhetoric coming from the top down too and and that obviously plays a role in um, legitimizing some of this um, this hate and some of these actors who are, you know, uh, acting against mosques and Muslim institutions and um, Muslim uh, individuals as well. Do the um, mosques hire armed guards after situations like this? Uh, especially when you have some of the rhetoric uh, that has been going on, and we'll talk about and touch upon that, you know, in a moment. Um, is there um, increased security uh, at, uh, you know, mosques, which obviously a lot of Muslims attend, or when there's a large, uh, you know, function, like maybe, you know, if, you know, CARE has a national meeting or something like that? Sure. No, um, there's always increased security, especially, again, after um, after certain events. Um, we always sometimes it's working with local law enforcement to provide that security um, and making them aware um, of certain threats that might have been made to the mosque or to you know, care offices. Um, and other times it's just uh, 
they're paying for their security on their own or the community is paying for it to secure um, to secure their mosque and make sure that they're able to go and pray in safe places. I know one of our local mosques has, um, they've just spent in the last two weeks over $10,000 trying to pay uh, for security um, for their mosque. And that, that's a big burden. Um, and it's scary to think that, that they have to do that. If you don't mind me asking, because um, I, I, I can't see you and other people can't see you, um, do you wear a hijab, a headscarf? No, I don't. You do not. Um, do the women in at CARE and in the Muslim community that you know that uh, I, I've heard that some women are taking it off. And I, as an American, think that's awful. And as a woman, think it's awful that any that any threats of violence or any actions of violence would lead to a lack of choice in a nation that's supposed to lead the world in freedom. Uh, can you speak to us about, you know, some of the women? And I say that because, you know, seriously, beards are in. They're very fashionable right now. In Southern California, I could line up a Mexican guy, an Italian guy, an Armenian guy, a guy that's got a tan, an Indian guy, uh, you know, an Aryan-looking guy. They could all be Muslim or all not be Muslim, but, you know, people have their ideas stereotypically of what, uh, you know, a Muslim uh, looks like. And that's not always the case. Sometimes, you know, they're, you know, well-shaven. Sometimes they're, you know, not Middle Eastern looking at all. But a woman wearing a hijab, you know, that is clear to most people that that's a Muslim woman walking down the street. So could you speak to that, the women at CARE and in the Muslim community that you know that wear the hijab or if any of these women have chosen to stop wearing it? Right, um, and you're right. Like they are the most visible members of our uh, of the of the Muslim community, and because of that, they they become targets very easily. Um, there there were multiple um, stories um, just on social media among acquaintances of people not not only maybe considering taking it off um, for safety purposes, but you know husbands encouraging their wives to take them off. Um, uh, and um, other people saying, you know, maybe the um, disguise yourself to the point where you're, you know, you might be wearing a hat or something that, um, you know, a, a scarf around your neck and a hat. So ways to, you know, kind of disguise the fact that you are Muslim or wearing a traditional hijab um, because, uh, because of that fear level of moving around society and worrying if you're going to be targeted because of it. Um, um, our offices at CARE are mixed uh, with people with women who do wear hijab and don't wear hijab. And, you know, there is a concern. Um, one of my coworkers said, said that um, she gets a lot of dirty looks during her regular commute, and she um, had a person try to sideswipe her while she was driving. And that's a very that, that's really serious, and it uh, puts you in not only in danger, but it just increases your, um, you know, feeling of safety, of whether or not you're feeling safe, um, whether or not you can move around in society. And, it's, um, you know, I can't imagine being that afraid just while driving or walking around, going to store. I I move around freely, and I don't have to worry about that, but it's, I, I constantly worry for the people that do. There's talk about, in, in France there was talk about this, in the United States even, assimilation. Do you think assimilation means dress like everybody else in this country the way it's perceived? Like, you know, the women should, you know, uh, wear, not wear, um, you know, clothing like a cheval camis or whatever from another country, not wear, uh, you know, a, a, a hijab, the headscarf, uh, you know, become westernized. Is, 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 is that what, you know, the Muslim community feels this means when people say assimilate? Um, because many, you know, Muslims in this country are, you know, they were born here or they're, you know, they're second or third generation. Right. And I, I don't think, um, I don't think those, uh, the 
assimilation that Americans espouse, like, I, I mean, it's a diff- different set of values. So when you look at the history that, you know, um, France, France has a, a is very proud of its secularism, whereas um, the United States prides itself on its a religious pluralism, and that's something that goes back to our founding fathers where we, um, you know, we had debates about religious tolerance, and that included Muslims in that dialogue. Of, um, and, you know, we have a different idea of what it means to respect other people's religions and to have people. Um, so in terms of assimilation, I don't, I think uh, American values say that we should respect people and their religions, and that doesn't mean that you give up your identity. It means that the culture, um, the culture accepted, the culture, uh, you know, absorbs it, and it becomes part of that American fabric. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's, um, you know, you have to change your identity to belong in the United States. I think the United States is wonderful because of that reason, is that because it's accepting of that. Is there, has there been less fallout, is there less fallout when the attack is on foreign soil versus American soil in your and the Muslim community's experience here in the United States and here in Southern California? Um, obviously, this one, um, the fallout has been worse after San Bernardino, but we already started seeing a rise in case um, in hate attacks after Paris. So, um, and and that that was that's considered foreign soil, but it, it had a very real and very immediate fallout here, um, and, and the Muslim community felt that impact. So. I, I don't know if that's going to change moving forward. Um, and I, I, I feel like other international incidents um, that have happened, they, they do result in similar, uh, similar rises. But um, I, th- I think it'll be, uh, um, we'll have to see going forward. But I think, I think there is a difference when it happens closer to home. There is going to be, um, we, we have seen a rise, we have seen more attacks in December than we did immediately after the Paris attacks. But they've kind of just, uh, you know, it was a wave after another, so it's kind of blended into that. Comments from Donald Trump. Does it fan the flames of hatred and Absolutely. contribute, in your opinion, to the to the attacks, to the violence, to the threats against Muslims, mosques, organizations? There was an envelope at CARE, your CARE, right? Your, uh, the L.A. chapter was, am I correct in that? Uh, um, the, no, it was the D.C. chapter. It was the D.C. chapter that received an envelope with white powder that could have been anthrax or something. Fortunately, it was not. They had to be evacuated, and even some people were quarantined, um, you know, as just, you know, one example. Um, is, so are Donald Trump's comments uh, fanning this, the, the, the flame of this hatred and of these uh, and, and helping to perpetrate some of these actions, in your opinion? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's, um, he, he's fanning the flames of hatred, and there you those comments aren't existing in the bubble. There's uh, that are, um, something that's actually resulting from those comments, and that is the hatred that people feel um, justified in acting on after a political leader um, legitimizes them. He's making comments that dehumanize Muslims and make it acceptable to then for the, for the people to um, dehumanize them and attack them. So... His comments have very real consequences, and um, they're not happening in a bubble. Uh, he's him, and it's not Donald Trump alone. It's Ben Carson. You know, they're making comments about well, you know Muslims not being able to run for president, and you're you're pushing them out of society. You're saying that they're not. You know, even if an American Muslim wanted um, an American Muslim couldn't be president, even though he's an American, and that's fundamentally flawed because that's saying 
that we are no longer, uh, we're not equal citizens. And if you're not equal citizens, you have the right to be treated differently or you, are, you can be treated differently. And that's the message that they're sending to people. And the people who are um, responding to that are the ones who are um, attacking mo- uh, Muslims, attacking mosques and places of worship. So he completely is um, fueling this hatred and bigotry, and it's and that's where that's where people are getting their cues from. I heard the day before the attacks in Hawthorne and Palm Springs, those mosques, and just days after the two women uh, wearing hijab who came from the mosque were uh, attacked in Tampa in the Tampa Bay Clearwater area of Florida. Um, I, I had heard from San Bernardino and Muslims in that community and, and one of the leaders of the mosque there speaking on behalf of the community that the outpouring from the community, people coming to their homes, people calling them, people saying, we know you didn't do this. So it saddened me when the next day I heard such negative reports and it was on the heel of yet uh, another attack, as uh, I mentioned, in Tampa. Are you also seeing that and is that does that increase in other words, look, uh, it, 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 some people would say nothing good comes out of any of these um, attacks. Um, it, do more people make an attempt to get to know Muslims? And are there people that say, I know you, I know you didn't do this. Do, do you find more of that with each attack, even though there's, in other words, it's more polarized. People who are letting Muslims know that they're, they're not like the, yeah. you know, the others who are doing these horrific things. And, uh, yes, um, that's, I mean, the outpouring of support has been amazing, and that's honestly, it's what helps us uh, keep us going, because without that, um, the situation would seem so much more hopeless. But we have had so many people, um, you know, not just people, uh, I mean, we've had reports of people saying that they've received supportive messages from their friends, from neighbors, from people they didn't know, and then even our organization internally, we've had other organizations, organizations reach out to us, um, you know, people, um, my sister's a high school teacher and she said a former faculty member called her up and said, you know, I just want to let you know I'm thinking of you. There's so many incidents of some, something similar happening and it honestly, that's what keeps you motivated and that's what keeps you going and um, I don't think there's enough attention paid to these solidarity, solidarity events that are happening around the country where people from different races, religions are coming together and saying that we're not going to be intimidated by bigotry and we're not going to be intimidated by violence. And we know that if we work together, that's how we'll overcome all of this. And those events are not getting that attention. And, but it, it, it is bringing our community together. And, those, and it, it's, just, it's honestly been amazing to see um, that side of this, these horrible events is the, the positive that has come out of it. We're going to take a break when we come back. You know, somebody had tweeted, we know who the enemy is. The enemy is spawned from Islamic roots. Technically, ISIS was spawned from Al-Qaeda, which was a terrorist organization as well. We'll be back right after this with our guests. We'll be back with you. If you want to join us, one segment left in this hour, give us a call, 888-6LESLIE, 888-653-7543. Follow me on Twitter, at Leslie Marshall. Tweet me there. Don't go away. Leslie Marshall, when the truth matters. Give her a call now at 888-6-LESLIE.
Fatima Dadaboy, Council on American Islamic Relations, Senior Civil Rights Attorney for the Greater LA Chapter. Fatima, thank you for holding. Welcome back. Uh, before I ask more questions, let's take some calls and we go to Michael on the Bronx line too. Michael, question or comment for our guest. Hello, Leslie, and hello, Fatima. I hope I said your name correctly. Fatima, yes. Go ahead, Michael. Fatima, I'm so sorry. Uh, the concern I have is it, seems, it does sound like there was a Western judgment in Los Angeles because it sounds identical to what happened with the Boston Marathon bombing in which you heard the rhetoric that the suspects were dark-colored Muslims, and you find out later that it wasn't the case at all. And then when you look at the Sandy Hook and some of these other acts of terrorism committed by white people, it seems that the certain people like Donald Trump doesn't um, look at the actions committed, but rather who commits the actions that defines terrorism. And do you think that um, people like Donald Trump and Pam Geller, who know full well that they are inciting this hateful violence towards Muslims with their ugly rhetoric, that they should be held criminally accountable as those that commit the actions just from listening to them. Well, I don't know. I know. Fatima, thank you, Michael, for your uh, comment. Yeah, I, Pam Gill, I can. I, I was asked to speak with her. I want to stand on the stage with her. And um, I, I I just never understood how somebody a Jewish, uh, you know, uh, never again. We know never again. And that means not just for Jews, but for anyone. Fatima, what do, what about to Michael's point that if uh, I mean, should, you know, people that are saying, you know, we do this for Trump or Trump inspired us to do this. Um, should he or even could he be or anyone else held legally responsible for their rhetoric? I mean, the First Amendment does cover you, but it does not cover inciting a riot or yelling fire in a crowded theater. Sure. Um, but I, I think, I mean, obviously what Trump is saying isn't, isn't close to inciting a riot or, or shouting fire. Yes, the, the language is, is provoking people, is inciting people to act, but it's not to the level where the First Amendment won't protect him. So, I, I mean, we have to, obviously, freedom of speech is one of our greatest um, values in this country and that's not something that we want to um you know we don't want to create censorship of people so but there is a there is responsible speech and i think that's what pamela geller that's what donald trump they need to be they need to be speaking responsibly and realizing especially donald trump somebody who's running for president somebody who is um you know he like he's in a position of leadership where he should know better than to do that and he should know that his words really are affecting people to the point of acting. So, right. no, they shouldn't. They can't be held criminally liable for this, but they should be morally accountable. Let's go to Sarah in Santa Fe, line two. Sarah, question or comment for our guest? Uh, yes, just a quick comment. I just think that we need to broaden the definition of terrorism until we can get down to the root cause of all of this. And one way of doing that is to acknowledge, in my view anyway, that the... Um, the invasion of Iraq was a terrorist act, and uh, the shock and awe by George Bush Sr. Um, was also a terrorist act, as well as uh, many of the NATO activities in the Middle East. And, um, you know, I just think that uh, we're not going to get anywhere as long as we just take one side or the other. We have to consider these these actions in their entirety. And interesting, uh, the uh, domino effect. Sarah, thank you. Let's go to Steve, uh, line four. Steve, just a sentence, sweetie. I only have 60 seconds. Are you ready? I am ready. Yeah, uh, my question is, I think one 
my belief is behind a lot of the bigotry and the comments of people like Donald Trump is an actual belief that the Muslim religion actually is a violent religion. Okay. Um, did he hang up? or? Uh, okay. Uh, Fatima, just a sentence to speak to that. Right. So the Muslim religion is not inherently violent. It, is, uh, it, it espouses peace. It is, um, there are verses that, if, if you read them in context, if you read them properly, the ones that are relating to violence that uh, terrorists like to cite, that bigots like to cite, they're happening in a specific context. And that's what we need to understand and not paint uh, it with a large brush that says Islam is a religion of violence. Um, there is... Okay, Fatima, thank you. Fatima uh, uh, Care is at care.com. Follow them on Twitter at care, L-A-C-A-I-R. I'm Leslie Marshall.